0: we began a couple of weeks ago talking to you on this subject of X-men. Now what we mean by X-men may not be what your understanding is. X-men the word the the letter X in Greek stands for Christ. And so what we're talking about is Christ men or Christians. The first week we talked about that when Christianity came into existence, that there was a new culture that was put into place. We looked there in the book of Acts, the second chapter, how that the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread from house to house. And and we talked about how that, that new culture began at that point in time. Last week, we talked about a new life, how that you enter into this new life, how that, that you find yourself into a place with what God is doing and how God is showing up in a different way, in a different dimension. Today, we're going to talk about a new language. Now, that may sound interesting, but I want to tell you something. Uh, The the reason, I believe that one of the reasons that America has been so strong is because we have a language, a common language that we use. I'm not trying to be politically correct or incorrect at this moment, but I believe that one of the great things about our nation has been is that when you got here, wherever you came from, is that you learned the common language of the community. And, And so, as you're able to speak, we know that out of the Word of God, in the book of Genesis the 11th chapter, the scripture says uh, that at the tower of Babel that they they were together and God came down and saw them as they were working there to build this city and then they said we're going to build a tower into the heavenlies and the scripture says God came down and he saw them and he said this, this is what God said about them, he said they are one, their language is one and whatever they set their heart to do they're going to be able to achieve and the Bible says at that moment God confused their languages and they scattered across the world. Why? Because language is important. Language is powerful. And so today we're going to be talking about a new language. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Acts, the second chapter. And as you're doing that, let me greet the campuses and tell them, my name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. I'm glad you're joining us today, whether you're in Craneville or Cordova or Henderson or Savannah, wherever you're at. We believe that as the word of God goes forward here, that your life is going to be touched there and that you're going to experience what God has for you. So let's get ready to hear what God wants to speak in our lives today. Would you take your Bible today or your iPad or whatever it is that you have the Word of God on, and let's look at the book of Acts, the second chapter. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, I'm going to read four verses to you. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled. Would you say that word with me? Filled. Come on, let's say it again filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, we are talking about people who are in relationship with Jesus Christ. These are the ones who were the closest to Jesus. These are the disciples. These are those who had followed Jesus throughout His ministry. They were in, already in relationship. They were already in a place uh, where they had been saved, if we want to use that terminology. But what happened here was the greatest experience uh, that has ever come to the earth after the birth of Jesus and his death and his resurrection. It's interesting how that the church loves to celebrate Christmas. It's wonderful how we love to celebrate Easter or Passover, that whole season where Jesus is dies, and then he rises on the third day, and and then, but the Bible says that there's 40 days that after that that Jesus is with them, but then in Acts chapter 1, on that 40th day, the scripture says that Jesus looks at these who have gathered there uh, on this mountain with him, and he said, go back and wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Scripture says they left there, and they went back to an upper room in Jerusalem. Ten days later, this occurrence that I just read took place. Fifty days after Passover, Pentecost happened. Now, let me tell you something. Pentecost is not a denomination. And and I'll, I'll even say something else Pentecost wasn't something new on that day Pentecost was a festival a celebration that the Jewish nation had been celebrating for years and so it just happened is that on that day that there is a revelation of what God is up to see it's wonderful that Jesus was born it's great that he died and rose again but if there had been no Pentecost then there would not have been the ushering in of what we know as as the church and we would not be able to experience what God has. And so today my, my sermon is going to kind of be a, a two-pronged attack if I can use that. First of all, I'm going to talk about a little bit out of Scripture where it shows about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How it came and what the Scripture has to say about it, what John the Baptist said, what Jesus said, how the disciples talked about it. And then the latter part I'm going to show you what happens when you receive your prayer language and the benefits that come Into your life, and so here's what I would ask all of us today is let's lay aside our preconceived ideas and let's see what the Word of God says. Let's not grab a hold of something from the past, but let's say, Lord, if there's anything that you would like to show me, I am open to receive whatever it is that you want to show me. All right, is that fair? Take your Bibles, go to the Book of Matthew, if you would, Matthew chapter three, verse eleven. John the Baptist says something. Here's what he said. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So first of all, when you begin to study Scripture, you find out that John the Baptist prophesied about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm preaching repentance, I'm preaching baptism, but he said there's one who is coming who is going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but the Bible says about John the Baptist that there was none born of woman that is greater than John the Baptist. And so John's saying, as great as my ministry is, there's one who's coming after me whose ministry is even greater, and I want you to understand what he is going to do is going to be a greater dimension than you have ever seen. Look in Acts, the first chapter, verse four and five. It says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What's the promise of the Father? He said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So John prophesied it. Jesus proclaimed it. Jesus said this is the promise of the Father this is what's going to happen This is what's going to take place is that there is going to be something you guys have been with me You've hung out. You've seen the great miracles. Uh, You've walked with me. You've experienced great things But he said there is something that is getting ready to take place that is going to be so much greater than you have uh, ever Understood and he said that you are going to receive power that word power there in the Greek is dunamis the word dunamis is it's, where, it's the, the word where we get the word dynamite from. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to have an experience with God that would produce a power that is equal to dynamite. Amen? I know a lot of Christians don't have a good firecracker. A little, Sorry. Let alone dynamite. All right? And, and so the, the scripture says so Jesus prophesies this and, and proclaims it and talks about it. Then in Acts, the fourth chapter, the 31st verse, it says, And when they had prayed, these are the disciples, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled in was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The, the third aspect there, when you begin to study the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is that the early church, practiced it. So John the Baptist prophesied it. Jesus proclaimed it. The early church practiced it. Now the Bible says this, in the mouth of two or three witnesses let everything what? Be established. Okay? Acts 2, 4 I read earlier but let's read it again. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance and so the the fourth thing is is that the spirit demonstrated the outpouring of the holy spirit there was a demonstrable thing that took place you could say they received the Holy Spirit. In in fact, the Word of God says uh, in Acts chapter 10 that while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Verse 46 says, uh, 45 says, and those of the circumcision or the Jewish nation who believed were astonished as many who came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, that's us, on the Gentiles also. How did they know that? Look at verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. So there is a demonstrative happening that takes place. Acts 19, 6. Paul, Paul had met certain disciples of John said, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said, we don't know what you're talking about. He said, how were you baptized? They said, under John's baptism. He said, you need to be baptized. He rebaptized them. And then the Bible says in Acts 19, 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. This whole language thing, this thing that we have have fought church wars about, uh, that that whole denominations have been formed for and against uh, about this, is something that the Scripture lays out time and time and time again. And, And instead of us reacting against it, what we need to do is understand that God has a purpose in it. I want to tell you something about God. God does not do anything that there's not a purpose for what is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going we're to talk about the benefits of that in just a minute. Let me, can I give you just one more scripture? Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. And, and let, me, let me just share that with you uh, real quickly. Uh, the, the Word of God there says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, For the promise is to you, to your children... And all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So what we find here is that as we've talked about different aspects, the one thing that we find is, is that the church continued in it, and we must continue in it. We must continue to follow the pattern of the New Testament church. People say, well, Pastor, why did God choose that? Well, number one, is He's God. So He can choose what He wants to But one of the things that I found out, the book of James talks about the tongue, how powerful the tongue is. The Word of God says in the book of James that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. And wherever, although it's small, wherever that rudder turns, the whole ship goes. The the, the Bible uh, and the book of James also says the tongue is set on fire from hell. Any of y'all encountered that at some point in your life? Uh, But it, it talks about the power of the tongue. Those who study the body and physiology tell us that whatever the tongue speaks, the rest of the body begins to react. So if you say, man, I'm really feeling tired, your body gets even more tired. I really feel weak, your body becomes more weak because there is power. In fact, the Bible says it this way, there's power of life and death in the tongue. All right? And so I believe with all my heart that the reason that God chose this as a sign or as the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because of the power that the tongue has. Now, why do I need this prayer language? Is it a salvational issue? Will I not go to heaven if I've not received it? Everybody look and listen. We are not saying that. You are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, lest anybody boast alright so th- this is not about salvation this is about moving into everything that God has for us now let me explain to you why you need this the Word of God lets us know that until we came in a relationship with Jesus Christ that we were dead in our trespasses and sins other scriptures tell us that our spirit person was dead now I, I want to tell you something if I'm dead There's not much that's going to impact my life, right? If I had a dead body up here today, uh, I could walk by and say, hey, I'm going to Starbucks. Do you want a a double latte? They're not going to respond. And if they do respond, I'm out. (laughs) Why? Because they're dead. But let's say they had just died, and I'm a, I'm a doctor, and I've got the, you know, the paddles of life, and, and I come along, and I, I shock them, and their heart back in the rhythm. All of a sudden, they go from death to what? Life. That's what happens to us when we get saved. The Word of God says that we move from death until life. It's like, you say, well, how does that happen? Well, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by faith. The Word of God. So when I hear the Word of God, I'm dead, but it's like the paddles of life shock me, and I come alive. But guess what? I have been dead for a long time. Now, not literally. My soul, which is my mind, my will, my emotions, and my body has been alive. But guess what's been controlling me? My soul has. Right? Come on. I mean, something goes wrong in your life and your soul starts saying, man, poor pitiful me. I can't believe everybody hates me. And Right? And we start walking around depressed and oppressed and repressed and unpressed and whatever pressing we can do. I mean, it's just horrible. Why? Because we're allowing the soul to rule. So we, we come alive to Christ. We get saved and we're alive, but that spirit part of us has never been developed. I'm alive, but I'm not developed. It's, it's like a newborn baby. They're alive, but you don't expect them to perform heart surgery. Right? right. right? You, you're not going to give them the checkbook and say, hey, pay the bills this week. Right. Maybe some of you ought to, but... All right? Why? Because they're alive, but they're not developed. What happens? Well, we train them. We teach them. Teach them this is a spoon, this is a fork, and you don't stick it in your ear, stick it in your mouth. I mean... Right? Come on. You ever seen kids learning to eat? They, they're everywhere. It takes a while. And, and then, then we teach them to walk. And then they start saying things. And, and they say gosh awful things. And, and we tell them, you don't say everything you think in public. What we talk about at home is nobody's business at about six years of age. and Right? Because your kids will go out and they'll tell all the family secrets. and. So they're being trained. They're being they're they're being matured. And, and at some point, hopefully, you know, I don't know about 55, they get mature and now they're ready to operate on their own. And and, and that's what happens in the spirit. Our spirit person. And and here's what I find so often as, as a pastor is that I find a lot of people are alive but they're immature. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not getting on you, I'm just trying to show you what the process is here. And so the the benefit of a prayer language is that it it comes into the area of my life that is my spirit. It is my spirit that begins, and I'll show you this in just a second, I'll give you some benefits. It is my spirit that begins to be trained, it begins to operate properly, and I begin to move into everything that God has. And so it's not about, I have to do this, I have, it is about, I I want to move in to everything that God has. I want to become a powerful believer who is using the dynamite of the spirit and going forth to fulfill the call and the destiny that God has upon my life. And So let's talk a little bit about it. Go to the book of 1 Corinthians 14. We'll spend most of the time there. Uh, and, and I want to show you the benefits of a prayer language. What are the benefits? If we're talking about this whole thing about language, what's the benefit of a prayer language and why did God's Jews this speaking in tongues stuff. People say, well, you, you know, I, I think speaking in tongues was of yesterday and whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of deal with that in a moment, all right? Look in 1 Corinthians 14, too. It says, for he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So the number one benefit of the prayer language is a direct communication with God. The Bible says that when you pray in this heavenly language that God gives, that you are ministering in a way to the Lord. That your spirit is speaking mysteries to God. And, And so, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times in my life that my life is a mystery. Amen? Any of you ever face those moments that you go, man, I don't have a clue what in the heck is going on? I just don't understand what's happening. Well the Bible says that as your spirit person's praise that there's this mystery that's being prayed and unleashed, and God begins to bring revelation. He begins to give insight. There are, there are moments there that, that, that your spirit is communicating with his spirit, and it comes into your life, and then it moves into the soulish, the mind, the will, the emotions. You begin to understand what it is that God's calling you to do, and, and you begin to see that. So that's, that's the first benefit that comes from this prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself but he who prophesies edifies the church and then Jude 1.20 says but you beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit the second benefit is is that it builds up your faith now, I don't know about you but I live in a world that is constantly trying to suck my faith out It's trying to destroy my faith. I turn on the television, and they're giving me some kind of bad news, some kind of horrible understanding, something horrible is going to take place, and, and fear starts ruling instead of faith. But the Word of God says that as you pray in the Spirit, that faith becomes alive, that that you're built up in your most holy faith. And Jude 1.20 talks about that whole aspect there. It it gives us this whole thing where he says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And, And so as we do that, there's something that's taking place. There's something that's happening inside of us, and we're being built up. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 26 and 27, gives us another benefit. It says, likewise, the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, also helps in our weaknesses. For we don't know what we ought to pray, what we should pray for, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've had those times, I've had those seasons in my life that I knew I needed to pray but I didn't even know how to pray. I did not know what it was that I needed to pray. I mean, I knew I had this problem, I had this difficulty, the church was experiencing trouble, whatever it was, but I didn't know, God, I'm here, right? I, I got a mess, Things are not where I want them to be, but I really didn't know how to express it. Well, the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit helps you in intercession, that you can literally begin to intercede through the power of your prayer language, that as you're praying in the Holy Spirit, that you don't know what you're praying because it transcends your natural mind, and you move into a place where the Spirit of the Almighty God literally intercedes on your behalf. Now, I don't know about you, but I think when God starts praying through me, I'm doing good. Amen? I mean, I like praying, but man, when when the Lord is praying through me, I have a feeling that's going to be a pretty good prayer. Right? Have you ever, don't answer this, just look real holy. Have you ever prayed dumb prayers that you look back, you know, a year, two years, five years later, and go, man, that was so stupid. If God had given me that, if God had done what I asked him to, it would have been the worst thing in the world that could have ever happened. And so when you, when you pray in this way, when, when it's that prayer language, that the New Testament church received, that it practiced, Jesus talked about, when you pray that way, then intercession goes up and you begin to receive what God has. Now, let me give you another. First Corinthians 14, 14, back to that, says, For if I pray in a ton, My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful, all right? So so your spirit, here's the fourth thing, is that your spirit is communicating with God. It, it's that communication right directly to God. First Corinthians uh, talks about it time and time and time again of, of how we do that. People say, well, Pastor, you know, the Apostle Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 13 about, you know, love is the best way. And we don't need tongues anymore, Pastor, because love is the greatest thing. Well, can I read you 1 Corinthians 14? The last time I checked, 14 comes after 13. I'm not great at math, but I can get that. Now watch what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14:18. He says, "I think, my God, that I speak with tongues more than all of you." Loves the best way. 14 follows 13, and the apostle Paul says, "Hey guys, I want you to understand. I speak with tongues more than you. you. say, Pastor, you're not reading all the verses. I don't have time. All right? Well, there's this. I understand, and I, we, you know, we can discuss that another moment. But, but here's the deal. Can I give you one more? 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, brethren and sister's. Desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Now, if 1 Corinthians 14, 39 is not relevant, then John three sixteen is not relevant. How, how can I pick and choose? I can say, well, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Yes! do not forbid to speak in tongues no really do you realize that if we took everything out of the bible we didn't like there would not be much left i mean we pass a bible from this corner to this corner time you got your stuff out and i got my stuff out and somebody else there wouldn't i mean you know be we might even rip out the maps by the time we're over (laughs) all right so we've got to come to this place of saying wait a minute if God's word talks about it and time and time again talks about it. So, well, Pastor, the Bible, the Bible says that when he which is perfect has come, that which has been part will be done away with. Yeah, but read the rest of that passage. It also says when it talks about tongues are going to cease, it also says knowledge is going to vanish away. Now, they're telling us at this time that every five years the bulk knowledge of the world doubles. Every five years. That's why you can't keep up. I don't care how many new devices you get. You just can't keep up. I don't care if you Google everybody every day. You can't. You just, there's too much. So knowledge is still going. So as long as there's knowledge, then there's going to be speaking in tongues. Because they they're, they're in the same verse together. So our problem is, is that we have fought wars over things because I believe, my, my personal belief is, is that the enemy knows that if you will be open to everything that God has for you, that God will take you to places that will be unbelievable. I think that's why. So at any point in my journey with God that the enemy can get me to stop. People come and they get saved. And then they, somebody says, well, you need to be baptized. And they go, I, I don't believe in baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. Well, the scripture says, and I don't believe baptism saves you. But the scripture does say, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So baptism is necessary. Baptism is needful in our lives. Why? Because it's my progression in my walk with God what about speaking in tongues well it's just a progression of my walk with god here's what i'll tell you i believe at any point that i understand from scripture what god's word says and i say that i will not follow what god's word says i'm in trouble whatever that is it, it can be uh love your neighbor as yourself and you go i can't do that you don't know my neighbor Well, now watch this. I don't care if you speak in tongues all day long, then you're in trouble. Why? because the Word of God tells you you've got to love your neighbor. So at any point that in this journey with God, that God brings revelation into my life and I refuse to walk in that revelation, then I'm in trouble and, and I, be, I begin to atrophy. I begin my spiritual walk with God begins to become less. So God has given us this ability. God has poured into us. This spirit person that we are is hard to understand. It's hard to understand the spirit aspect of who we are. We can understand moods and emotions and the mind because we see how it operates. We can understand the body because we understand circulatory systems, and respiratory systems, we understand, but, but the spirit part, nobody can diagram the spirit. Nobody can can take you and pull you apart and say, okay, here's your body, here's your soul, and here's your spirit. But God tells us in Scripture that we are a tripartite being, that we are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. But guess what? It's only your spirit that's going to leave this earth for the next. The body's going to lay down. The body's going to die. And if the body dies, guess what? The soul dies too. You say, well, Pastor, you're talking about the soul? No, those words, go back and look at it. When you're talking about it that way, it's actually referring to the spirit. When we're talking about the soulish part of man, how many of you know that if your body dies, your mind, your will, your emotions aren't operating either? I mean, you cannot offend. You can't make a dead person depressed. (laughs) I'm going to make you depressed. No, I'm dead, but I don't care what you do. All right. So your soulish part dies. And your body dies. But the Bible says your spirit being lives forever. One day you'll get a new body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Right? But this spirit aspect is what's going to live forever. And our problem is in the body of Christ is that we don't work on developing the spiritual part. Oh, we read the Bible, but the Word of God says that the Bible is only understood through the Spirit. The Word of God also lets us know that God has gifts for us but they only operate through the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, do you not believe that God's Spirit dwells within us? Yes, but I believe that there, the Scripture says that there is an endowment of power called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that God wants us to receive. And that baptism of the Holy Spirit comes and we receive a prayer language where we can then move into what I've talked about today and receive these benefits that God has. So, Here's my challenge to you as I close. It's not something that we need to argue about. It's not something that we need to say, well, you believe that, and I believe this. It's something that we ought to say, if God has something more for me, I want it, whatever it is. You say, well, I'm I'm afraid I'll get the wrong thing. Well, let me help you. Here's what the Bible says. He said, if your son asks for a bread, would you give him a stone? If he goes through the whole thing there. And he says, no, you wouldn't do that. He says, watch this. If you then who are evil wouldn't do that, how much more will your heavenly father give to them who ask him the Holy Spirit? If you'll give your child what they need, the Bible says, if you'll just ask the Lord. his holy spirit that he'll give it to you and you don't have to worry about getting something that's not from him so that's pretty simple it's pretty easy i say okay god that's what i want i want everything that you have for me and so here's what i challenge you to do i'm going to pray in just a moment i challenge you to allow the barriers the preconceived notions maybe some religious tradition, to at this moment just say, okay, here's what I'll do. God, if you've got something for me that I have not received, I want it. I think it's a pretty safe prayer. And you know what? If we then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give to those who ask Him, the Holy Spirit?